Okay. And then here to preach is Mark. <laughs> Good morning. Pete, do I have to move this? Yeah, you know, just in case I start talking like an Italian. People ask me how I can be Italian and barber at the same time. I think you've asked me that, haven't you? Because my, because my, my hands are always moving when I talk. So how do I cut hair? slowly <laughs> yeah with pinpoint accuracy so well good morning and uh, glad everybody could be here please open your bibles to first peter chapter 2 first peter chapter 2 and uh Thank you for everybody that brought food and for everybody that came and set up and cleaned up what a blessing this morning was and I'm really going to try to liven up this preaching so that nobody falls asleep because of full stomachs so let's go ahead and pray and then we'll we'll dig in father we just bow our heads today as we come before your word lord that the word would be the authority in our lives, that Christ would be supreme in our lives, Lord, that we would find much joy and comfort in him. Lord, I pray for the Root family and for the Lucas family, Lord, as Bruce has passed away, just ask of you, Lord, for their comfort, that you would comfort them with only the comfort you can, that you would hold them close and tight to you, Father. Lord, that people would come around them and they would weep as they weep and they would rejoice as they rejoice as you have called your church body to do. So Lord, I pray during this time that you would give this family much strength, much encouragement, and much joy knowing that Bruce is singing praises to you as he sees you face to face. So now, Lord, as we look into your word, I pray that you would open it to our hearts, that our ears would hear it, that we would be engaged by it, that you would convict us where we need to be convicted, that you would encourage us where we need to be encouraged, and that you would give us joy where we need to find joy. May Christ be put on glorious display this morning, Father. In your name, amen. So as we continue to look at the way that the world is going, we can see that it's not going all together in a great way. We can see that, um, well, at least I believe that persecution is on the horizon for Christians. I think it's around the corner with everything moving in a direction that we're moving towards. And it's just not um, any kind of persecution. It, it, it could be physical persecution that we're looking at. It could be emotional persecution that we're looking at. It could be where we are persecuted uh, for 
just believing in Jesus, where insults are casted at us for believing in Jesus. Persecution is going to come for the preaching of sin and repentance. Pastors are going to be persecuted for holding true to the word of God and preaching on sin and repentance. We're going to be persecuted for holding the Bible as the all-sufficient, inerrant word of God. We will be persecuted for holding the Bible as all-powerful, that it's infallible, that it's authoritative. Suffering is on the way. So how do we suffer well? 2 Timothy 3.14 says this, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It doesn't say maybe we'll be persecuted or there's a slight chance we might be persecuted. But if we as Faith Bible Church, as children of God, desire to live a life that is godly and is in Christ, we will be persecuted because we are going to stand for things that the world does not want to stand for. 1 Peter 2, 9 says this also. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrow while suffering unjustly. 1 Peter three fourteen, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. 1 Peter four fourteen. We can kind of get an idea of what 1 Peter is talking about through these verses. If you are insulted for the name of Christ... You are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let no one suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. And then Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5, Jesus says this, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus also says in the Gospels that if they persecuted him, they're going to persecute us. So for Christians, persecution should be something that, 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 that we know is going to happen. We see in China, the church is persecuted. If you read any type of uh, areas outside of the United States, the church is persecuted. They meet underground. They're told how they can meet. They are persecuted. So then, with this all in mind, how will you suffer when it comes? How will you be when persecution comes? Will you suffer well? That is what the Christian needs to do. The Christian needs to suffer well. So how do we do this? Well, Peter doesn't leave this, the, the people he's preaching to, or this letter to, he doesn't leave them without an example. In 1 Peter 2, verses 20 through 25, Peter gives the example we are to follow with suffering. Listen to what he says. In 1 Peter two twenty. this is not on the thing, so you actually have to look in your Bible. It says, for what credit is it if when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? So there's no credit for that. When we sin or we do something bad and, 
and those consequences come, there's no credit for it because we know we did something bad, is what he's saying. So then he puts it this way, but if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called, because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example, so that you might follow in his steps. Brothers and sisters, persecution, we have been called to this. So we need to know how to suffer well. Here comes our, 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 our example. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed for you were straying like sheep but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. Brothers and sisters, we will suffer well when we keep our eyes on Christ as the example. The way Christ suffered is the example of how we should suffer. So number one, Christ is sinless in his suffering. Look again at 1 Peter 2.22. It says, He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. Now this word deceit, it means entrapping, fraud, cunning. Christ never said anything that was fraudulent. He never said anything to entrap anybody. He never said anything to cun, to uh, Uh, cunning for anybody but he was the sinless lamb of god he was the perfect lamb of god he suffered perfectly because he is perfect isaiah 53 9 says this and they made his grave with the wicked and with the rich man in his death although he had done no violence and there was no deceit in his mouth Again, 1 Peter 1, 18 and 19, Peter says this, Knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. Jesus is sinless in his suffering. We also see where, where his, his speech was 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 brilliant in his suffering. Look at verse 23. It says, when he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges. Now reviled, reviled is to rail at, to abuse. It is to use abusive speech towards someone. Is what reviled means. Jesus, though he was verbally assaulted, He never reviled in return. He never defended himself in return. He never threatened in return. Now, if we want to, what I want us to look look at in this verse is, uh, and I know I don't really get into all this, but the verbs here, right? The verbs here revile. It's a a continuous action. So what, what, what Peter is saying is that when Jesus was continually being reviled, when, when insults continually came at him, when threats continually came at him, when insults continually came at him, he continually did not revile in return or threaten in return. This is our example, is to look at Jesus in this suffering. Isaiah 53, 7 
He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter and like a sheep that's before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Hebrews 12.3 Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Matthew 27, 39. And those who passed by, this is Jesus on the cross, and those who passed by derided him, wagging their heads and saying, you who destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself if you are the son of God. Come down from the cross. So also the chief priests and the scribes and elders mocked him. Even the religious people mocked Jesus saying, come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he desires him. For he said, I am the son of God. And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. We see where Jesus was reviled at the cross. What was Jesus' response to this reviling? I mean, what an example we have, brothers and sisters, in our Savior. This is what he says in Luke 23, 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they cast lots to divide his garments. But Jesus, as he's being reviled against, as insults are being cast at him, he says, forgive them. Two men on each side casting insults at him. And he prays for those people that the Father would forgive them. Not only this, but we see that Jesus continually entrusts himself to God. This word entrusted is to give over, hand over, deliver up to, to commit, to entrust. Jesus continued to hand himself over, to commit himself, to entrust himself to the Father as he, as he suffered. We see this in Psalms 31.5. He says, into your hand I commit my spirit. You have redeemed me, O Lord, faithful God. Luke 23, 46 says, Then Jesus, calling out with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Jesus is the perfect example, the perfect pattern, the perfect standard when suffering and persecution comes. Secondly, we see Jesus as we focus on suffering well as our substitute. We have to see him as our substitute. Peter says it this way. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. Christ is our substitute. He dies our death. This is what we come to celebrate today. This is what we come to memorialize today in the bread, the body broken, and the cup, the blood that was spilt. We come to see this. We, 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 we come to uh, focus on Christ and what he has done on that cross for us. He bore our sins on the cross. He carried our sins to the cross. He sustained our burden on the cross. Isaiah 53, 4 Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord, Yahweh, has laid on him the iniquity of us all. If we are to suffer well, brothers and sisters, our focus has to be on Christ and what he has done for us on the cross. 53.11, Isaiah says, Out of the anguish of his soul he shall see and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall the righteous one, my servant, make many to be accounted righteous, and he shall bear their iniquities. Jesus bears the iniquity of his sheep. He bears the iniquity of his bride. He bears the iniquity of his children so that we may keep focused on that and suffer well. Matthew 8, 17 puts it this way. This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah. He took our illnesses and bore our diseases. John 1, 29. The next day, he saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Behold! the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Hebrews 9.28 So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly awaiting for him. Brothers and sisters, we need to focus on Christ and what he has done for us. By keeping our focus on Christ, And what he accomplished on the Christ, it encourages us when persecutions come to endure that persecution and endure that suffering. Not only do we stay focused on Christ as our substitute, but we will suffer well when we see Christ as our shepherd. When we see Christ as our shepherd. 1 Peter 2.25 For you were straying like sheep, but you have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your soul. This return is it's, it's repentance. It's what we talked about three weeks ago, this cultivating repentance. It's when we return to Christ. We return to the, to the shepherd and overseer of our soul. Or this word overseer can be translated guardian of our soul. But today, brothers and sisters, is Jesus your shepherd? Is he the overseer of your soul? Do you run to him? Do you run to your shepherd when suffering comes? When persecution comes on you because, you're, because insults have been given to you, because of you standing up for Christ, do you run to the shepherd? Do you run to your overseer? 1 Peter 5, five one. I wanted to read the whole thing in context, but we're going to put 5.4 up. But this is what Peter says. So I exhort the elders among you as fellow elders and witnesses of the suffering of Christ as well as partakers in the glory that is going to be revealed. Shepherd the flock of God that is among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly. God would have you, not for shameful gain, but eagerly, not domineering over those in your charge, but being examples to the flock. And here's where we go. And when the chief shepherd... This is Jesus. He's the chief shepherd appears. You'll receive the unfading crown of glory. Jesus is the chief shepherd. In the Old Testament, listen to Psalms 80 verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Isaiah 40, 11. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. 
He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosoms and gently lead those that are with young. Brothers and sisters, do we see Christ in this way when we are hurting, when there's trials, when there's fiery trials that come? That's what First Peter 1 says. When these various trials come, fiery trials come, do we see Jesus as this one, as leading his flock? Do we see Jesus shepherding his flock? Do we understand that Jesus takes us in his arms? Listen to the intimacy of that. He takes us in his arms and he carries them in his bosoms. It's like a mother with a baby, how she holds the baby close to her bosom. This is what Jesus does to us. He holds us in these times of persecution. He holds us in these times of trials close to him. We are close to him. We're not far from him, but we're close to him. He holds us close in his bosoms and he gently leads those that are with the young. Brothers and sisters, we suffer well when Jesus is our shepherd and he's our overseer. The prophet Ezekiel in chapter 34 says this, and I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David. Now this is not David, King David. This is the greater David. This is Jesus. This is who Ezekiel's talking about, the greater David. This is what God says. I will set over them one shepherd, my servant David, and he shall feed them. He shall feed them and be their shepherd. And I, the Lord, Yahweh, will be their God, and my servant David shall be prince among them. I am the Lord. I have spoken. Hebrews 13, 20 and 21. Now may the God of peace who brought up again the dead, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. But he is the great shepherd. He is the good shepherd in John 10. He is the shepherd in Ezekiel. He is the shepherd in Psalms. He is the overseer of our souls, brothers and sisters. So will you suffer well? We will suffer well when we keep these three things in mind, that Jesus is sinless in his suffering. We will suffer well when we focus on Jesus as our substitute, and we will suffer well when Jesus is our shepherd and our overseer. Beloved Bride of Christ, persecution is coming. Suffering for the name of Christ is coming. May you and I today be strengthened and encouraged in our hearts when that day comes. May our focus be on Christ as the pattern, the substitute, and the Savior. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word and thank you for this time. Thank you for this simple nugget, Lord, of how we can suffer well. Father, we just praise you for Jesus. We praise you for what he has done on the cross. And Father, now as we we come to the communion table, Lord, as we come and we look at the body that's broken for us and the blood that was spilled for us, Lord, may we each examine our hearts, Father. If there's any here today, Lord, that that are not believers, that have not trusted in Christ, may you draw them to you today, Father. May you show them that Christ has bore their sin. May you show them that he has taken your wrath for them. 
May you show them that he is the perfect sacrifice. May you give them hearts to believe, hearts to have faith, that they would be drawn to you, Lord. May you give them eyes to see Christ crucified, Christ risen, and Christ ascended. And for us, Lord, that are believers, may we find joy in the very same things of Christ crucified and Christ risen and Christ ascended as we come to this memorial. So, Father, we just ask your blessing upon this. Ask, Lord, that our hearts will be ripe as we come to your table. And, Father, that we would see your love within this table. In your name we pray. Amen. Now, as we do come to the table, if you are not a believer, this is not for you. Please, let this go by. Let it pass. This is for the body of Christ. This is for the bride of Christ to celebrate and to memorialize what a great shepherd, Savior we have. Would the elders come forward, please? Do you need me? <laughs>